As soon as you commit to a point of view, you've shifted out of an ever-evolving, ongoing sense-making into the perceived safety of certainty. Hey, 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 so glad you're here. This is Tracking Yes, and you are exactly where you're meant to be. I'm your host, Liz Wilson, coach, writer, and round-the-clock philosopher, And this, my friends, is where the magic happens. Join me and my guests for stories that will inspire you to dial up your curiosity, fine-tune your courage and wisdom, and create an empowered relationship with whatever's happening now. On today's show, I'm looking at the level of polarization and divisiveness that we're currently navigating in our culture. I'm sharing some thoughts from a brilliant thinker I was recently introduced to named Daniel Schmachtenberger. Daniel believes that we live in a disinformation ecology. In listening to him, I've really had my mind opened about why he thinks that is so and what we can do to reclaim our sovereignty and our clarity of sense-making so that we can truly work together to collectively address the problems that humanity is up against. Something that's always been a part of human beings being together on the planet is that we often don't see things the same way and we don't align on what is the best way to proceed. And so if it feels like a contrary point of view threatens what we want or what makes us feel safe, then we naturally are going to push back against it. And that in itself is inherently important. It matters. It's often about setting clear boundaries. But it also sets us up to be protective of our point of view. And there's been a real trend in the last, I really think in the last four to five months, especially as things have really escalated around COVID-19 and there's been more and more civil unrest, to choose a position, plant a flag, form alliances, and be clear who and what the enemy is. And whether the enemy is the system itself or any human who holds a contrary or unpopular point of view, there seems to be a general lack of willingness for people to engage with each other in respectful, considered, open dialogue. One of the ways that's been showing up is cancel culture, which has become a popular way of responding to contrary points of view. And cancel culture, by that I mean public shaming or withdrawing support or going to war with someone who challenges our point of view or who we disagree with. And with social media, it's especially easy to see it. And it's also, I think, fueled just by the nature of social media. It's There's this increasing polarization and divisiveness and people taking rigid, fixed positions. I mean, I guess this is as old as time, but there's really apparent mob mentality. And I'm noticing in some Facebook groups that I joined to try and expand my thinking around certain topics, there's this closing in and this um, this taking shots out at 
any point of view that isn't completely aligned with the stand that that group is taking. And I'm noticing this tendency rising up in myself as well. Maybe not publicly, but certainly in the privacy of my own mind and my own thinking, this this pull to make other people wrong who I don't agree with. And on the flip side, I'm also worried that I'm going to be on the receiving end of being condemned for the position that I'm taking or expressing what feels true for me. And that has me in an old pattern of looking externally for cues about what to believe, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And it's a looking that is assuming that the answer lives out there. But something has really shifted for me around that uh, recently, and I want to share with you guys what happened because it was really helpful. I found a way to extricate myself from the chaos and the insanity and the disconnection of being swept up in this dynamic. Okay, so the shift in large part was informed by a course that a friend of mine suggested. It was an online course that we took together that was mostly about what it means to be a sovereign being as you're operating in the world. And sovereignty is an interesting word because it has a lot of different possible definitions. What I mean by it when I use it here is that you're in a place of full responsibility for the clarity and the maturity with which you're navigating the complexity of being an engaged human being on earth right now. And you're not getting pulled around by or losing yourself in the currents of culture. You're actually intentionally keeping your power aligned within yourself and trusting your inner compass while honoring your interconnectedness with and your impact on everything else. And for me, there are a couple of essential guidelines. And the first is paying attention to if what I'm believing or how I'm acting is causing harm to someone or something else. And if so, taking responsibility for shifting my behavior. When I'm in a sovereign state of being, it actually doesn't make sense to me to make choices that would have a negative impact on anything because I'm seeing everything else as an extension of or a part of the whole to which I belong. And frankly, I find this is one of the most difficult challenges as a human being with an ego, because when I'm self-referenced, I tend to forget that interconnectedness, and it becomes easier to lose sight of, of my impact. So that's an ongoing work in progress. And then a second aspect of being sovereign, and to me this one is so important, is curiosity. It's living in a state of being captivated by how everything works together, how a kind gesture over here can shift a dynamic of violence or hatred over there, or how meeting a constricting energy with an open, expansive energy can create space and new possibilities. So one of the greatest things about this course was that we were continually introduced to resources and information that were controversial or that challenged mainstream narratives and asked to consider how we felt about them and then to speak to why we agreed or why we didn't agree. And 
really it was about developing a capacity for not only critical thinking, but then to speak from your own sovereign viewpoint. And I want to share with you one of the resources that our teacher shared that really just blew everything open for me. So it was a talk by a guy named Daniel Schmachtenberger, and he wears a lot of hats, so it's kind of hard to describe him, but a couple of them are evolutionary philosopher and social engineer. And what he's most interested in is what are the ways that we're operating that are creating catastrophic failures as human beings um, on planet Earth? And what are the shifts, like what are the avenues of shift that are needed to create different results than what we've gotten or where we've been headed so far? And he, his particular genius, I think, is his capacity to have a working understanding of just about everything that we're faced with as humans. He can speak to economics, politics, culture, psychology, science, medicine, technology, spirituality. It's really quite remarkable to hear him talk. And when I listen to him, I feel like I have a working understanding of all these things because he has an incredible capacity to articulate it in layman's terms. And what's also cool is that in being introduced to him, I was also introduced to a whole camp of emerging thinkers who are exploring novel ways to address what we're up against as humans at this time. So it was really a gate opening into a whole realm of thinking and consideration that wasn't on my radar before. And what Daniel, I mean, I followed him down a lot of rabbit holes, and so far, what he's really opened my mind to is that we live in a disinformation ecology. And what he means by that is that anybody who's putting out a piece of information, whether it's institutions or social media or podcasts, newspapers, magazines, scientific journals, you know, all the places from from which we gather our information, that there is usually a signal of truth in whatever's being shared. If we're willing to give the benefit of the doubt that most people, most people aren't just sharing crazy town wackadoodle information. They're sharing it because they believe there's truth in it. And unless you're really hanging out on the extreme fringes, ideally there is some degree of well-considered, well-reasoned, well-thought-out, fact-based truth. They're sharing what in their experience they have found to be true. And because of that, when they present it, they're going to present it with evidence that supports the veracity of it. And they're likely not going to include evidence that counters it or suggests there might be some holes in their argument or it might not be the whole picture. And so because of that, we're already starting off with a bias built into whatever information we're getting from wherever we're getting it. Okay, so if we're starting with the presumption that it's entirely possible there is truth in wildly divergent points of view, it's also to varying degrees not necessarily a high fidelity signal of truth. 
And you can think about this even in your own intimate relationships when you're in an argument with somebody, for example. Like potential sources of interference can be a lack of clarity on the part of whoever's delivering the message or a lack of transparency or some underlying strategic motivation in the sharing, maybe even unconscious. And then there's simply the personal bias of the person presenting it. You know, if they're committed to what they feel is true, being true, um, that's going to be built into how they present what they're offering. And, And finally, there's your own noise that you're bringing in, your own ego noise, especially when it's a contrary point of view. Often you're not open to hearing something that might be true if it challenges your truth. You're busy building your case about what is not true about what they're saying. So that's the first challenge with the information that we're accessing. But the far bigger challenge that Daniel is asserting is that we have gotten sloppy and lazy in our personal sense-making, meaning we defer it. We defer it to an authority, to the experts, to the political party that we're aligned with, to the news media that we follow, to the in-group that we belong to, to popular thinking, best-selling books, uh, our partner, our friend, our parent, the someone that we trust, We can often feel like, okay, they've done their research and I trust them, so that's good enough for me. And as a result, we're not doing our own due diligence to be clear why what we've decided is true is true. So here's what he suggests as the way to address this. Once we have a thesis, once we've gathered enough evidence and have decided something is true, what we typically do is we then continue to gather supporting evidence, and surround ourselves with an echo chamber that validates what we've decided is true. But good sense-making means, okay, now I have a thesis. I'm going to explore the antithesis. I'm going to pay attention to, investigate, and really consider contrary points of view with the intention of listening through the noise to find the signal of truth in that contrary point of view. And for me, I think it's about getting my own ego out of the way and being able to identify some of the factors that are creating static or interference as I'm trying to hear that contrary point of view so that I can really welcome the truth of it in. So that starts with just getting curious about my own interference, my own resistance, my own unwillingness to consider another perspective and not worrying about that, but including it as part of the process and then choosing to open up to some of the, some of the things that are available to me to help me really see and hear the other person. It's like cultivating a superpower of being able to hear beyond your own ego and their ego as well. And I think it's hard to get very far unless you can hold positive regard for the other person. As a fellow human being, you don't see them as the enemy. You see them as having a valid truth that makes sense for them, whether or not it ever makes sense for you. (laughs) 
Okay, so I'm listening for logic and reason and evidence and facts, but there's also my own gut and my own intuition, which to me are essential components of good sense making. We often know when something feels off to us, like it's, this does not feel right to me what this person is saying. It sounds good on paper, but something in in me is like, "Mm mm-mm. And at the same time, when I hear a truth in a contrary point of view, for me, it's kind of like this sinking feeling of, oh, fuck, there actually might be something in here that I really don't want to hear. But I'm trusting a deeper voice in me that's saying, it's important to pay attention to this. And the upside of this is that if I'm willing to go in and find that alternate truth and add it to my sense making, then I'm bringing a complexity and a nuance into what's making sense for me in the world and why. And I think if you're doing that, you'll be having an experience of constantly evolving and transforming and expanding your personal clarity based on new information that's coming in. And this, I think, is the difference between someone who's looking for security in a fixed point of view and someone who's in constant pursuit of truth. So someone who's looking for certainty seeks to find what is true and then set up camp there. This is what's true for me, and I'm not looking anymore. I'm not interested in anything that discounts this. Versus, I am looking for the truth only to lead me to the next question. And then I'm willing to die to the thing that I believed was true yesterday as I get new information today. And it's really vulnerable to do that because you keep leaving these islands of safety and kind of going into the more deep waters of the unknown, swimming towards something that seems like it might be truer than the island that you're swimming away from. But if you don't do that, like as soon as you commit to a point of view, you've shifted out of an ongoing, ever-evolving sense-making into the safety of certainty. Once I decide I know something, absolutely, then as I continue to move in life, because I can't be alive and not be moving, I'm getting further and further from clarity because I'm tethered back in the past to some static fixed understanding of what makes sense that doesn't allow for new information to change my mind. And if I'm committed to what I know now, then I've already begun to polarize. And I'm susceptible to, in Daniel's words, now weaponizing that point of view for narrative warfare. And this is happening all over the place right now. It, it means things like cancel culture, judging, controlling, you need to see it this way, the way you're seeing it is wrong. And it's also protecting your point of view from anyone who challenges it. And I mean, it's when you think about it, it's kind of crazy, right? I, you're going to offer to me that maybe I could benefit from seeing this differently. And I'm like saying, do not, do not take one more step further because now you're imposing on my point of view. Like, how did we get to a place where we think that changing my mind is dangerous? Because in fact, as soon as I've 
tied myself to what I know. I've ceased being present. Now I'm navigating by mental calculations instead of direct experience. And I actually don't have enough data now to find the truth in my experience because I'm not open to new information coming in to inform me. And, you know, as I, as I've paid attention, like it's so wild because in this course, I started doing my own searching on the internet, listening to, to YouTubes that I normally never would, um, just exploring different, different sources of information. And I started to notice that what Google was offering up or what YouTube was suggesting in my watch next list was aligned with the new places that I was looking. So an added benefit of stretching the diversity of your sense making is that you become less easy to pigeonhole into an algorithm, which then targets you in an attempt to manipulate your choices and your behaviors and your thinking patterns. So you're actually shattering the container of the echo chamber that is constantly being built around you when you're consistently selecting for a very specific point of view in your information seeking. So that in itself is awesome. And what I've been really noticing, and most importantly, what I've been extricating myself from is that as the volume is becoming louder on all the crises we face, so is fear. And fear has a sense of urgency, and that sense of urgency to act now diminishes the value in pausing to get clear, and instead favors picking something that makes a fair degree of sense, and then jumping in to contribute. And it's almost like a combination of jumping in to contribute and being pushed in by the wave of whatever the common narrative is. So I'm pulling back and I'm moving at my own pace. And I think the bottom line for me is sovereignty means that I don't give the power to anything outside of myself or to my own ego to determine how to act and when to act. When I take the time to get clear what's true for me and why it's true for me, then I can let that clarity guide and inform my action. And that clarity is changing and evolving all the time if I'm staying open to new information. It's really a, an experience of being intrigued by and caring about the vast web of energies that I'm moving in. As the world becomes more insane, I think what's needed is action that is coming from more clear and well-reasoned thinkers. And those kinds of people emerge from a culture that supports listening to points of view outside of the echo chamber of the people who already agree with you. And it also requires taking responsibility for personal sense-making. And when I'm doing that, when I'm taking responsibility for my point of view, rather than aligning with groupthink or being afraid that people will challenge it, it makes my contribution unique and essential rather than some coerced, inauthentic, carbon copy version of what I think I'm supposed to be bringing. So I'd like to close with a quote from Daniel Schmachtenberger. He says, I'm actively trying to see what the various groups in the world think 
Because if I don't understand why it's compelling, if I don't understand the partial truths and values that they care about, then I don't have a chance of understanding reality. And I don't have a chance of engaging in a constructive and meaningful way. And then all I can do is villainize them and engage in narrative or actual warfare and to some degree win or lose. And if that's what we're doing, then ultimately we all lose. I really hope you enjoyed being introduced to Daniel Smachtenberger if you didn't know him already. And if you want more, I've linked up to him over on my website. So check out the show notes for links to my coaching website, lizwilson.com, and my coaching blog, trackingyes.com. And if you like the show, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you like to listen to podcasts. Talk to you next time. And in the meantime... Have a great week and keep the compass lined up with yes.